Get ready for the Synthesizer Library podcast. Because, let's face it, synthesizers are just cool. Oh my goodness, what a month it has been around here. Super busy with the end of the school year and everything else going on. I had a pretty bad scare with my computer. My DAW wouldn't launch and I thought I was never going to be able to record again. But as you can hear, I got that all worked out. Here we are. Um, And Ginger, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know Ginger. She's got me building a treehouse out in the backyard that I have no idea how to build. So hopefully by... Next month it'll be done, and I will not have died in the process. Anyway, uh, today I wanted to talk about something that I've been getting a lot of questions about lately, and that is MIDI. And if you've been around the synthesizer world for a while, then maybe you're really familiar with it, and maybe this won't be that useful to you, but maybe it'll be a good review. But there seem to be a lot of people out there who haven't had a lot of experience with MIDI, And I'm going to try to clear up some questions and go into what it is and what is it, what it isn't, and maybe a little bit of history about how it came about. So let's dive in. Obviously, we're not going to be able to cover everything to do with MIDI right here in this podcast. But just to kind of give you a little bit of a table of contents here at the beginning, I'm going to cover a little bit of the history behind it, where it came from. We're going to talk about the connections We're going to talk about the numbering systems. We're going to talk about MIDI messages, the different types. We're going to talk about how computers are involved. And we're going to talk about how GM or general MIDI nearly ruined it. That's kind of a editorial comment by me, which I'm sure you're just dying to hear. And then we'll cover just a little bit of how it compares to control voltage CV and um, where it's used outside of just synthesizers and drum machines. And then I'll give you some resources where you can investigate more on the topic of MIDI. We won't be able to go into all the hexadecimal codes that are transmitted for different types of messages because we have a pretty long list already of stuff to go over. So the first topic, uh, history. So where did MIDI come from? This is fairly recent history when you look at world history in general. So there's lots of resources out there about where it came from. And the problems that arose in the late 70s and early 80s with synthesizers really resided around the fact that things were growing from monophonic into polyphonic notes, where with the traditional synthesizer, you could only play one note at a time. But with polyphonic advancements, then it became desirable to control more than one note at a time. And the method that was in place up until this point was really control voltage and gate, CV and gate. And if you wanted to then play more than one note with CV and gate, then you'd have to add another set of control voltages and gate to go along with it. And it would just multiply and snowball until when you wanted to play eight notes at a time, you would end up having to make 16 connections just for the control. And there were some forward-looking people in the industry who realized that that really was not a sustainable approach. And in fact, even amongst just CV control voltage, the voltages themselves were not even standardized across manufacturers. So being able to control, say, one brand of, of synthesizer from another and make them work together, you would usually end up having to do all sorts of conversions or you would just end up 
playing out of tune, which is not desirable either. So about the same time, several of the synthesizer manufacturers were actually coming up with polyphonic control mechanisms, where Roland had been developing its DCB control, Yamaha had something called key code, but again, these were not standardized between manufacturers, so there was really no way to make them talk amongst each other. And when you think about it, it really is remarkable that these fierce competitors in the world of synthesizers were able to get together and decide upon this standard, which really furthered all of their collective interests in building the synthesizer market as we know it today. And two of the key players in that were Dave Smith and the head of Roland, whose name I am just going to murder, but it's Ikutaro Kakahashi. And there were several others involved, but these are the two that actually not so long ago received a technical Grammy for their work on the MIDI standard. So in 1983, at the NAM show, which is a trade show for the music industry, uh, Dave Smith came out with the Prophet 600. Roland had a keyboard, which I believe was the Jupiter 6. I could be wrong on that. Both of them had these, this thing called MIDI on it, and nobody knew what it was, but they were able to demonstrate connecting MIDI between these two, that they were able to control one with the other. And today, that probably doesn't really seem that fascinating. But at the time, it was unheard of. And not everyone was on board at the time. It seemed like it might be too slow because it was a serial type of communication. But as we've seen, it really did evolve to become the de facto communication method between musical instruments. In fact, that's what the name stands for, Musical Instrument digital interface. It's just a communication protocol to control and communicate between musical instruments. And it really was originally designed just for synthesizers and maybe with a thought of drum machines, but it then evolved into lots of other things where we see effects processors these days and have for a long, long time that have MIDI on them and mixers and uh, lighting units and all sorts of things have MIDI on them and can be used together all in sync with each other because of MIDI. All right, so that brings us to our next topic, um, the connections involved with MIDI. And looking at the clock, looks like I just covered the history of MIDI in 6 minutes and 30 seconds. So obviously there's a lot that I glossed over, so forgive me for some of those details. Um, but the connections that are involved, the traditional MIDI connectors are 5-pin circular DIN connectors. And there are typically three types of connectors. There's a MIDI in, out, and through. And the in and out might be pretty self-explanatory, but through might not be. But we'll go over that. At first, though, the most basic connection is going to be a MIDI out of some kind of controller. Maybe it's a keyboard controller. To a MIDI in. And maybe it's going into some sort of sound generating device. Could be another synthesizer. Could be a sound module. Something like that. That's your most basic connection, out to in. And then we kind of confuse things a little bit with this through connector. The through is designed to duplicate the information coming into that device on its in port and then turn around and mirror it back out through the through port. So in addition to connecting MIDI out to in, you might then have a through to in on the next device and then maybe a through to in on the next device after that. So you could end up with this big long chain of devices that are all controlled from one controller. 
In practice, though, it's not really all that easy because you usually end up with more than just one controller. One thing you want controlling, maybe it's a sequencer and a keyboard, are controlling the same device. So you really got to plan out your system and figure out exactly what you're trying to do. And we'll talk a little bit about, about the computer's role in all of that a little bit later on. Makes a few things a little bit easier. But, okay, so just to review, we have MIDI out, MIDI in, and MIDI through. And those are typically on five-pin DIN connectors that you connect with the great big round connectors. Um, nowadays, though, we see MIDI messages transmitted over USB back and forth on the same wire. We also see wireless MIDI. Uh, iPads, for example, can communicate with uh, MacBook with wireless MIDI. That kind of thing. And, and that's really the, all there is to it as far as the connections for MIDI. There's out, in, there's through, there's USB. If you are using a MIDI device with your computer, it makes things a whole lot easier. And I've sometimes heard people recommend labeling your cables with in on one end and out on the other. Um, I don't. That confuses me. If I, if I were to try to do that, I wouldn't know if... The, am I supposed to connect the cable side that says out on the cable to the in or the other way around? It, I, I can't really make sense of that. But if that's something you like doing, well, that's just great. I, I'm happy for you. I have heard, though, and seen it's really helpful if you have multiple colors of cables because if they're all black and you have all sorts of MIDI cables connecting all sorts of things together, it makes it really hard to, to trace what is connected to what when you can't remember. So if you can, try to find a bundle of colored MIDI cables that will help you stay organized. Okay, let's talk numbers for just a minute. Um, imagine you had that series of, of devices all connected from, from MIDI out to MIDI in, from MIDI through to MIDI in, and you wanted to control all of those devices from one controller, but you wanted to send different messages to each, each one. How would you do that? Well, MIDI actually takes care of that for you. It sends the, those messages over 16 different channels all on the same cable. So you might set up the first synthesizer to respond to MIDI channel 1, and every message that comes in through MIDI channel 1 will trigger some sort of event in that synthesizer. And then maybe the second one, the second device, is set to receive on MIDI channel 2 and so on. And in this way, you can control each device individually all from the same controller. And that controller might be a sequencer, which plays different parts all at the same time. And 16 channels might have seemed like a lot at the time, but now it's kind of a limitation. And there's ways to get around that as well, which we will talk about in a little bit later. But the other numbering scheme I wanted to mention is the fact that without getting too deep into the math, there are 128 different numbers that are used to transmit various different types of information and levels and things like that. And it was never really standardized whether to use numbers 1 through 128 or 0 through 127. So you may see either or on different devices. Nowadays, it kind of seems like most of those manufacturers have settled on 0 to 127. And I only mention that because it comes up from time to time that when you're sending a maybe a program change message, that it's one off from what you expect. So if that's the case, check those settings to see if your device is expecting 1 to 128 or 0 to 127. Okay, we've covered some of the history. We've covered the connections. We've covered the 16 channels and some of the other numbering issues. 
Now it's time to get into the meat of it and talk about MIDI messages. Probably the most basic and easy to understand MIDI message is the note on and its corresponding note off message. That's just what it sounds like. When you press a note on a keyboard, it sends a MIDI note on message. And when you let go of it, it sends the corresponding MIDI note off. Along with that, it also sends the MIDI note number and usually the velocity, if it's a velocity sensitive keyboard. And the velocity is how hard you press the note. The velocity is one of those 0 to 127 numbers. And the MIDI note is as well. But of course, on a standard piano, we only have 88 keys. That's much less than 128. But the MIDI notes expand beyond the range of the piano. And just for reference, middle C is MIDI note 60. And they go up and down from there. Normally, you don't really need to know that unless you're editing some MIDI information or manually programming something. Uh, that Your controller will just take care of that for you and send the appropriate MIDI note for whatever key you pressed. Probably the next easiest message to understand is the program change. And this, again, does what it says. On, say, MIDI channel 1, you're playing preset number 1, and it's a piano. And then on the same track, you want to change that to a different kind of piano or a bird sound or something like that. Then you could issue a program change message that would change the, the program or the preset that's loaded on that synth to something else. And that was a good way to um, limit the number of channels on your sequencer and limit the number of devices that you were using, but make your arrangements sound more full because you were using more instruments just by changing to new ones and then changing back maybe. And I don't do this nearly as much as I used to I issue program changes. Uh, I did it a lot in the early days of Cakewalk, but um, nowadays I just you have so many tracks available in your DAWs, you don't really need to do that anymore. Unless maybe you're using a hardware sequencer and a computerless system and you need to restrict the number of tracks that you're using. Another good use for program changes is when you're performing live and maybe you have one set of presets for one song and then you want to change to another. Um, you could even issue a set of program changes to all your devices and then be all set up for the next song. You could even do this from maybe a guitar foot controller that has a lot of buttons to change programs and use that to change sounds. Then you don't have to do it with your hands. And that's another instance where MIDI kind of started showing up in areas where it probably wasn't originally planned to be, like in a guitarist effects uh, processor. Those guitar players could then switch their effects using a remote control device like a foot pedal that has MIDI built in. And I really don't think that was the intention when MIDI was first developed. Okay, it seems like the next thing to talk about is control change messages, or CCs are sometimes called continuous controllers. I believe those are all the same thing. Control change messages really cover a whole range of all sorts of different types of controls. For example, I have an Akai MPK25 here that's got just a series of knobs on them, and they can be assigned to control any CC number I want and they go from 0 to 127 and then that parameter can be assigned to control say the cutoff filter on some synthesizer or or the volume or the resonance or any number of things. There are some parameters like volume and pan that have preset CC numbers assigned to them 
but there are a whole lot of just CC numbers that don't have anything assigned to it that you can customize to your own needs. Often CCs are used to control parameters that are good for performance. Things like filter cutoff and resonance and pan and volume. Things that would really enhance your performance. They don't have to be used live, but it is nice that they have that available. Now it seems like things like pitch bend and aftertouch, which is the amount of velocity after you play a key on a keyboard when you lean into it, how much pressure you put on it. Um, it seems like those would be good candidates for CCs, but they actually have their own MIDI message type, but they work roughly the same as a control change message. And that brings us to system exclusive messages, or sometimes called SysX. This really is a wide topic that we can't really go into a lot of depth here, um, but in general, system exclusive messages could include things like a program dump, like a preset dump, or an entire machine dump. Sometimes they're used for live control of, of parameters that aren't controlled by CCs. Uh, there's a, like I said, there's a whole bunch of things that system exclusive messages can be used for. Most of those patch librarian um, softwares that you can get for your computer for a specific synthesizer will use system exclusive to communicate to the synthesizer and adjust the parameters accordingly. I used to actually uh, dump the settings from my devices into Cakewalk in the original, the early days of Cakewalk at the beginning, the first couple of bars of my tracks so that all of my devices would be set up exactly the way they were supposed to for that song but a couple of times i forgot that i had things that i hadn't saved in my synthesizer and overwrote those with the system exclusive data from another from a song i was playing and that didn't make me too happy so i kind of stopped doing that now we come to the issue of syncing your devices there's a couple of different options with midi there's something called midi clock there's something called midi time code or mtc there's something called Song Position Pointer, or SPP. So what's the difference between all of these things? Well, I, I wish there was one solid answer that I could give you. you. You might have to try to experiment with whatever you're trying to sync together. But here's the rundown on what the difference is. MIDI time code is a lot more like video time code, where it's really based on absolute time. You have Maybe your song is five minutes long and it, at the beginning it's zero minutes, at the end it's five minutes, and right in the middle is two minutes and 30 seconds. Well, then if you jump to the middle of your song, MIDI time code is going to send, hey, I'm at position two minutes and 30 seconds. MIDI clock is more like a, just a simple click track where it has subdivisions of beats, but it doesn't really tell you exactly where you are in your song, and that's why it's usually accompanied by something called Song Position Pointer SPP. So if you're going to use MIDI Clock, you probably also want to use Song Position Pointer. But with MIDI Timecode, you really don't need to. And another thing I'll mention is that some DAWs are smart enough to, to choose one or the other if you have both of them enabled. But to be safe, you probably only want to send your device either MIDI timecode or MIDI clock. In some DAWs, you can set that per device, per MIDI device that's connected to your system. In other DAWs, it's more of a song-wide uh, setting. And remember when I said that all these messages are sent over specific channels? Well, that's just not the case for these synchronization messages. They go over all channels all the time if they're enabled.
All right, let's talk a little bit about the modern-day DAW and the computer's role in all of this. Obviously, when MIDI was originally invented, there might have been some idea of it being controlled by a computer at some point, but really the, that was not feasible at the time. But today, computers are really everywhere, including our studios, whether we like it or not. And all of the modern DAWs have provisions for a MIDI. And if you're going to use it, you need to decide how you're going to connect MIDI to your computer, which then gets sent into your DAW. Most of the audio interfaces these days include a set of MIDI ins and outs, but usually it's only one set, and that limits you to those 16 channels we talked about. But if you want to expand and use more channels because you have more devices, because you just seem to collect synths for no reason, then you're probably going to need a device that has multiple ins and outs, MIDI ins and outs, Doing this allows you to send 16 channels on each of the MIDI outs that that device has. Mark of the Unicorn is famous for having some. Um, Adderall has some or had some. These are getting harder and harder to find for some reason, but I still think they're incredibly useful. A workaround might be to use more than one audio interface. I have two of the Focusrite Sapphires hooked into my system right now, and each of them has a MIDI in and out. So I can hook up two strings of MIDI information to each of those. Okay, and now it's time for my rant on general MIDI. Here it goes. Somewhere along the line, and it seems like it was the early 90s-ish, someone came up with the idea of standardizing programs or sounds so that on program number one was a piano, Program number two, I think, was another piano. And program three was like an electric piano. And then it went on to acoustic guitars and electric guitar sounds, all, uh, all sorts of instruments. And they were given standard program numbers. And the reason for this was that so that you could take something called the standard MIDI file and play it back on something that was set up with general MIDI and have it sound somewhat the same on any system. Sounds like a good idea, right? Well, the problem is that you ended up with a lot of cheap sound cards in computers with really horrible sounds, and the standard MIDI files themselves were so over-quantized, uh, which is synchronizing something to an exact beat, that everything just sounded super, super cheesy and horrible. And unfortunately, that's what the general public thought MIDI was after this unfortunate circumstance. And the problem now is when I go out and I talk to somebody and I mention MIDI, they automatically think of, oh, those funny, horrible karaoke-like sounds that used to come out of, of cheesy, cheap computers. That's what MIDI is. And it really isn't. I guess I would have to say the one good thing that came out of having standard MIDI is the drum mapping. You might be familiar with playing drums on keys where you have the kick drum on the C below middle C and then the snare drum, a couple of different snare drums just above that and the hi-hats up on the, the black notes. Um, that all came about as part of the standard MIDI and that is actually nice to have that we have this standard drum mapping and it all isn't always adhered to and it doesn't have to be but it is nice when you 
want to pull up some drum sounds and they're laid out in a familiar setup. But that's it. That's my rant. That I guess it's not too scathing. I just don't like general MIDI. And I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I would talk a little bit about the difference, compare a little bit between control voltage and MIDI. And I already mentioned a little bit about it, about control voltage, how it's really originally was designed just for uh, monophonic notes on and off. It would the the voltage itself would indicate the pitch, and the gate would indicate the note on and off. It seemed like MIDI really did away with control voltage for a, a good number of years, but as you're probably aware, CV is back with a vengeance, especially in the modular Eurorack format. And if I had to sum it all up, the difference between control voltage and MIDI, remember the two are kind of similar, where they're both designed to control something, I would have to say that control voltage being more of an analog um, control mechanism is a lot more open and free in the way that you can use it. Where MIDI, you're given note on, note off, and you can't change that. A note on message is a note on message. It's not going to do anything else. Uh, A control change message is a control change message, nothing else. Where with control voltage, you can really get creative with how you use it. In fact, you can use audio sources as a control voltage and control some sound with some other sound, where you really can't do that with MIDI. So I think where music and synthesis is a creative art form, the creativity that you can get out of using control voltage in new and different ways where it probably is not intended to be used really opens the doors for more creativity than you get with the strict rules of MIDI. And in this next section, I wanted to talk a little bit about how MIDI has really grown to be included in much more than just synthesizers. Originally, it was called Universal Synthesizer Interface, according to MIDI.org. And right there in the name says it's a synthesizer interface. But I think it was brilliant that the founders of MIDI changed it to Musical Instruments Digital Interface because it's a lot more than just synthesizers. And nowadays, like I said before, you can find MIDI on all sorts of devices that are used by musicians, mixers and effects processors and lighting units and, of course, drum machines and synthesizers still have them. And, of course, computers and phones and tablets and everywhere you find MIDI. I've got a guitar amp over there that actually has MIDI on it for program changes. And with all that said, I've been a big fan of MIDI for many, many years, and it has been around a very long time, but I don't think even I use it nearly as much as I should or as I could. I don't have all these things connected to receive program changes. I could, but I don't. I think it's important to remember that MIDI is just another tool in our toolbox. You don't have to use it just because every device has it. You will find times where you really don't see a need for it. And then you might find that later on the same device, hey, I can I can do something really cool with this. I can control this or I can layer this with this other device. But keep your mind open and keep keep looking for those opportunities to expand the art form by using these technologies. And finally, where can you go for more information about MIDI? Well, the most obvious place 
is probably MIDI.org. That's where you'll find the full MIDI specification. You'll find quick reference guides, uh, manufacturer IDs, all sorts of stuff. And they've recently spent some time redoing that site. It's a great resource now, and they actually allow you to sign up for an account, and I would encourage everybody to do that. Beyond that, I wanted to mention the manuals for your equipment that you already have, your synthesizers, your sequencers, your DAW, all that kind of stuff. A lot of it has MIDI implementation information right in the back of the manual. And a lot of it has really good explanation as to how to use it, especially the newer manuals. Some of the older ones were a little bit cryptic and hard to understand, but those are just really great resources that I think sometimes are overlooked. So don't forget those. And that's going to do it for this episode. It was a lot of talking by me. Sorry, there was no audio examples because there's not really any audio to do with MIDI. In fact, that's one thing that people still get confused about. They think that there's some sort of magic that will convert your synthesizer sounds into information that can be recorded by your computer through the MIDI. Uh, and that's just not the case. And there we have it. I hope this episode was helpful. If you have any questions, you can fill out the contact form at synthlib.com. I'll try to get back to you or just email me directly, adam at synthlib.com. If you like the podcast, please review it. I could always use some more support that way. And don't forget to contribute your patches to the Synthlib library and keep making cool music, I guess. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.